You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. And welcome to another episode of the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because the other option was joining Hydra and we look bad in green. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Benedict, the only person in the world whose zodiac sign is Grumpy Cat. Benedict, how much wood would a ch- woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Uh, not much. They're very small. Have you really? seen one in real life? No, I'm not from here. I don't know what a woodchuck is. What is a woodchuck? Is this nonsense? I thought it was a British thing. I didn't It is know. absolutely not a British thing, I promise you. It's kind of like a beaver. A beaver? Yeah, yeah, like a beaver. But beavers don't have thumbs. They can't chuck wood. What kind of nonsense is this? Is this what they teach you at school here? I think it is. Anyways, you already heard him, but this week we are joined by a fantastic guest. We have brought someone on because this chapter is extra bad. The chapter we're doing this week needs some special help just to get through. So we brought on Stephen Robbins, Esquire, attorney at law, which I love I love saying that. I, I can't wait to call myself that in the future because it does sound like a superhero name, attorney you can't, at law. You can't just take his name. <laughs> no, no, the last part, the last oh. part. Steven, thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's fun. Fun times. Is, well, it, not is really. it really, though? No, I, I'm super busy, and you sent me this chapter, and it's a disaster. So. It is a disaster. It is. So, Steven, just so uh, the listeners know, why don't you tell them a little bit about what you do for a living, which might give them a clue as to what this week's chapter is about. So, uh, I'm an immigration lawyer. Uh, I got hired by... Uh, kind of a douchey oh i shouldn't say that well you can leave that in uh right out just of name the big law firm you're yeah. gonna crap on just do it you can find might and schmace i get it uh you know this guy wanted to open a well he had an immigration law firm and he wanted to be sort of like the mcdonald's of immigration lawyers with a franchise in every city but law doesn't really work that way so mm-hmm. um after about a year i was like eh, i can do this alone and um not have to pay you all the money that I'm making. <laughs> so uh, I've been doing just immigration law straight out of law school for, um, I'm working on my 10th year. Wow. And right. that's what I do. I, I work in uh, central Washington. So my clientele is mostly made up of farm workers, um, which is part of the reason why, well, I don't think you need to represent farm workers to find this chapter offensive, but uh, one <laughs> no, of the it's things very that, easy. Uh, you know, it sort of colored my, my perspective, I guess, on what Don Jr. has to say. Yes. And I, yes. too, am an immigrant. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not well, really I, in the yeah. same way. I but... have friends. So. <laughs> my girlfriend. Yeah. Yes. 
<laughs> yes, this is. I, I, I know what you're referencing, and I can't wait to get to that uh, little tidbit. But uh, before we get into the book this week, why don't we start off with our alternate reading suggestions for this week? Benedict, do you have one for the listeners? Something better than what we had to read this week? Uh... Yes, it's better written, but maybe a little more depressing. <laughs> um, somehow, I think I'm currently reading, uh, I'm off the FDR book from last week, and now I'm on to The Plague by Albert Camus, which <laughs> is worryingly prescient for something that was written in the 1940s uh, about our current situation. So yes, please read The Plague by Camus. It is very, very good. Yes, and we know one philosopher who is more important than Camus, though, don't we? <laughs> Jordan B. Peterson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that guy, is he, are we, he's alive, right? Cause last... I don't know. I would be at, laughing about it either way, but I think current, I, the fact that I don't count, know is okay. At current count, I believe yeah. he is alive. The last I heard he was somewhere close to dead, but. Um, yeah, he was not in a In a coma. Way. In yeah. a coma was what I heard. But I don't know. Uh, but my reading suggestion for this week is Hardin Weschler's The Federal Courts and the Federal System, 7th edition. For the people who want their eyes to bleed from boredom rather than disgust, that book is for you. And also because that's all I've been reading all week. Uh, <laughs> Stephen, do you have a suggestion? Uh, yeah, so, oh, hey, I should probably... Uh, I've got, <laughs> it's okay, I've got, everything stays in. I've got a podcast producer, and he's always, he's always giving me shit about... Uh, hey, uh, left your email open, huh, Stephen? Uh, so, uh, well... Given that we're in uh, strange times, I decided to read, uh, crack open, uh, Voices from Chernobyl, the oral history of a nuclear disaster. Uh, if, you, if you watched the uh, HBO series, a lot of these, um, these are uh, directly from the mouths of the survivors. Um, and a lot of the anecdotes were actually used in the HBO series. And um, it's, uh, you know, it's always good to have a little perspective on on things that people have had to go through and, and that we've made it out the other end somehow <laughs> um and so yeah i don't know yeah. it's, it's been interesting that that might be even heavier than the plague <laughs> like <laughs> that's it's it a rough couple of readings people yeah yeah it's a yeah. rough couple of reading suggestions it, it helps to lighten the mood to read books uh you know, about like the rise of Hitler and stuff like that. Um, so. yeah. Honestly, my reading suggestion might be the least depressing thing, <laughs> to be honest about it. <laughs> but anyways, because we can't avoid it any longer, it is time to return to our book review of Triggered by Donald Trump Jr., the man who appears behind you if you whisper the defendant three times into a mirror. <laughs> Benedict, what did we read this week? Well, this week we read all about uh, how Donald Trump is an immigrant because one of his grandparents was an immigrant at some point. I, the, the logic was confused. Again, we're going to have problems finding the thesis of the chapter, but that's it, it, it. in a similar way as we saw that Donald Trump Jr. is really a blue-collar worker because one of his family was once, he is really an immigrant because one of his friends is once now. Friends? Would we yeah. say Friends? He does literally say, um, many of my friends, or I, <laughs> he, I mean, he, it's, yeah, 
Literally. Yes, he uses the term friends very loosely, and we'll get to my favorite example of one of his friends this week in the chapter. Uh, but uh, why don't we start off, Benedict? Do you have an alternate chapter title I for this do. week? I actually wrote one this week. <laughs> uh, so it is. So the actual chapter title is not exactly the Statue of Liberty. Give us your huddled masses. Oh, and your gangs and drugs too, which is extremely offensive, just straight <laughs> yeah, off the bat. But then my so. ultimate chapter title plays off the subtitle in a, in a playful way and it's uh, give us your lies your straw men and your fallacies too very good very Thank good you. i like Thank it you. i like it uh steven do you have one um you did prepare me for this uh, particular <laughs> joke segment but I, I guess what i would say i'm looking over my notes and it's a bunch of uh things circled with lines to the margin that says why or what or just a question <laughs> Maybe just a big question mark. I mean, you could see it. Maybe I'll scan it to you. You could upload it to yeah. me. It's literally yeah. question mark. What? It's just a big question mark. Okay, that's maybe, a good one. Maybe what dot 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 question mark. There we go. Very good. Very good. And mine, I went in the same vein as Benedict. I said, not exactly the Statue of Liberty. Give us your mail order brides and your pseudo intellectuals too. I found I found appropriate. So this chapter starts off giving us again, and I feel like this is give me an editor. <laughs> needs an editor yeah. so bad. It <laughs> give me an editor, off, maybe a ghostwriter too. Yeah, it starts <laughs> off with a grammatical error right off the bat so because weird. it says <laughs> so it was June sixteenth, twenty fifteen, a two days after Flag Day and his birthday, when my father announced he was running for president of the United States. It, so in my head, that that is him trying to do like a southern thing of like it was a on June sixteenth, twenty fifteen, a two days after Flag Day. Like, oh my god! Plus, uh, shout out to Flag Day. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Know. What? What is Flag Day? I don't. It's, a, it's apparently the same day as his dad's birthday. It's. Some sort of. Uh, I think this is preparing all of us because, as we know, Donald Trump. Uh, we've talked many times the screaming match on on the hills of Aspen with his his wife. I think we have another one coming, uh, a new divorce coming because we've all seen the way that Donald Trump touches the American flag. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. there may be a divorce and a wedding in that family's future that he's just trying to prepare us all for. I am. Uh, I think I'm a good legal writer, more or less. Um, <laughs> But I'm not a good proofreader. I, I'm I'm really terrible at it. And I my wife, whose third language is English, actually has to proofread my uh, <laughs> my briefs and stuff. And um, I sat on that A for like a good ten minutes, just like, am I forgetting English? Am I maybe having a stroke? Is there is there an explanation for how this makes sense? And no, it just it literally doesn't. So I'm I'm happy now to find out that. I, I'm not having a stroke, and um, you guys noticed it too. Always good yes. to know. Yeah, I. Do you know what? I actually didn't notice it because I skim over the stuff so quickly, and I am an editor for a living, so that's cool uh, for me. Well, there you go. Wow, <laughs> that's it. Yikes! So, but yep. there is another one later in the chapter that I, I think does reveal to us there's no way there could have been an editor for this book. Oh, for sure, for sure. Remember <laughs> where he quotes himself twice? Yep, that is yeah. exactly yeah. the time. Yeah, Kevin and I were already talking about that earlier. It's great. We'll get to it. Okay. Yeah. So the reason why we're talking about this particular day in the Trump family history is because, of course, this is the day that Donald Trump announced his running for the presidency of the United States. And that speech, which we all know, I think we all know that speech, uh, is is played here by Donald Trump Jr. as though it is the sole reason 
why anyone thinks Donald Trump is a racist, forgetting mm. the entire history of Donald Trump, the birtherism, the Central Park Five, all of that. Uh, this, this alone is where the outrage over Donald Trump racism came from during the election campaign. Yeah, so uh, just uh, to to before we get too deep into the meat of the chapter, the the point of this story is he says my father sat us all down and said what might be the most prophetic statement he's ever made, right? So that that sets it up for like a big reveal like oh I'm going to win the presidency in Michigan by like two votes, like mm-hmm. whatever. That would be a prophetic statement. The actual prophetic statement that he is referring to is quote now we find out who our real friends are that is apparently the most prophetic thing that donald trump has ever said in his 75 years on this planet now we find out who our real friends are now that i'm going even further into the public eye and running for president what a dumbass who could have predicted i actually like the the anecdote just before that which is you know he's sitting his family down Uh, he's saying some people ask you know did he sit us down to to sort of run uh, <laughs> campaign bias and whether or not we'd be okay with it. And he says, doesn't happen like that in the Trump family. <laughs> nope. DJT, DJT is his own man. And when he makes a decision, we all do whatever we can to help him. So he's an asshole. Like that's, <laughs> that's not good. This might be the most illustrative point in this book. Yeah. Yes. It's not a point bragging point. Your dad is, a terribly inconsiderate asshole. He gets his whole family together to just tell him what he's doing. I mean, anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we get to the statement itself, and Donnie Jr. brings up here that, of course, several days after Donald Trump walked down that, or rode down that escalator, rather, and announced to the world that he was a racist, Dylan Roof went on a murderous rampage uh, and shot nine people to death in Charleston. Char- Shit, I always get that mixed. Is it Charleston or Charlotte? Char- I want to make sure I have the right one. Oh, I think it was Charlotte because Charleston was the Nazis. No, that you was Charlotte. I'm going to leave this in because honestly, I think it's more elucidative that I can't remember which neo-Nazi attack it was. KKK. Yeah, right. 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 So, and he he likes he plays this up as though everyone who was rightfully criticizing Donald Trump's statements, uh, they were all. Uh, inventing a racist narrative about his father, he writes, that would become an avalanche of lies. That is the wording he yeah. uses in this well, chapter. Well, I mean, speaking speaking of avalanche of lies, this is where it begins for this chapter, because he says as soon as we announced the, president, the presidential election essentially became a race between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, that's not true at all. There was a long and protracted Republican <laughs> runoff for, for the presidential candidate. It went almost until June the next year. Like, it was not a quick, it's now Trump versus Hillary thing In at fact, all. Well, I mean, most people kind of thought he wouldn't win. The, most yeah. people thought he was a joke. They thought he would do this for a couple of weeks and drop out as a publicity stunt. Right. That's what we all thought. I think he I thought mean, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I am a I am a subscriber to the school of belief that Donald Trump always thought this would just be a publicity stunt, uh, and it got way out of hand. I I do tend to believe that's somewhat true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I the what the ironic thing maybe you guys have talked about this. I did listen to your last episode. The the, the book is called Triggered, which is like the ultimate projection because the the thing <laughs> is that 
libs, you know, the libs uh, are getting triggered all the time by things that shouldn't be considered offensive. They're just true or real and like the libs can't handle it. Uh, And like, just like his father, there's never been like a more triggered person. Like the whole book (laughs) is just a list of grievances and how, (laughs) you know, he's, he's never had a real problem in his life, but nobody's ever been nice to them or fair to, you know, he's the most powerful man on, on the planet, but you know, everyone's so mean and it's, it's just one long trigger grievance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, true. I can say that I did go to UC Berkeley, the most liberal school in America, TM. Uh, and after reading every chapter, I do have to crumple up into a ball underneath my desk and, and cry for several hours <laughs> before I can, I can speak again. So he's at least got us there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, <laughs> let's, let's move on. <laughs> Anyways, so that, well, we, I was just going to say, there's this then this whole weird story about how he didn't eat for a couple of days while he was yes. on the campaign trail. Like this has nothing to do with the chapter in itself. It's with just his like, buddy Tommy, his buddy Tommy Hicks, who he points out left a very lucrative job with his family's business to join him on the campaign, as though he was sacrificing anything, as though yeah. that guy wouldn't be able to go back to his family's business. His family, by the way, owns the Texas Rangers. Uh, as oh. though he wouldn't be able to go back to that very secure fallback position the moment he was done on this campaign. Yeah, it's yeah. a weird story. Basically, like he forgot to eat for two days, which I mean, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and call bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely that. bullshit. Especially that. since like the paragraph before, he says he was at a Muslim-owned eatery. Like, that, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm circling and- like. I'm treating this like the Zapruder film or something like a circling thing. (laughs) It was just at an eatery. I'm taking this way too seriously, but um, the, the story goes, if you don't mind, I'll just step in. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Um, An immigrant, a a good, one of the good ones, uh, (laughs) you know, leaned over and he, he assumed that she would accuse him of being a racist. Of course. Because he knows deep down that he is, I think. Um, (laughs) But instead she says uh, she has to lower her voice to a whisper and says, my husband and I voted for you, for your father <laughs> yesterday in early voting. Um, he says she's an early immigrant from Ethiopia, but immigrants can't vote. No. So yeah. This is that one of those, a key point that I made, too. In my, one of those my illegal notes. voters that his father is so worried about. I mean... <laughs> Well, and my favorite, my absolute favorite I, part of this chapter and of this in particular is that he went full Jacob Wool here because he said this was a cashier in a coffee shop. And I just loved that so much. Yeah, I was actually surprised. And this surprised. is the woman he refers to as his friend throughout the chapter. Yeah, that's true. I was actually surprised he didn't turn it around and say, like, see, there is illegal voting. Pack it up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's kind of, anyways, we don't have to talk too much about his storytelling, but he's, He's actually in the lobby of the hotel, mm-hmm. which is starting to pick up life, but it's semi a state of in a state of semi solitude. Uh, okay, <laughs> which is it? And he's taking a deep breath, and that's when he he's getting coffee, I guess, in the hotel lobby. But uh, I don't know; it doesn't make any sense. But um, I did want to say, um, even though this story is also made up, like there's just no way this happened. Oh but, yeah. Um, this last paragraph over and over during the campaign and after the election, people came up to me, people of all nationalities and from all walks of life to tell me how proud they were to have come to the United States legally. That's, uh, possible that that's a, that's a real thing with, uh, immigrants 
who um, I've met people whose parents got papers in the amnesty, like by luck of, you know, some law that was passed and they, they go around bragging that their parents did it the right way. Um, yeah. You know, that's and right. so, See, so most of the people he talks about in this chapter, I think are pure tokenism, right? But there is, you're absolutely right. There are people out there who are immigrants and who have these still very anti anyone who didn't do it the way I did views. They're certainly out there. And, and like I have, for example, when I was in high school, I was working at a junkyard. I was working with a guy who came to the United States illegally. I was in California. There's, you know, plenty of those there. Uh, and this guy who I still remain connected with on Facebook, who is still here illegally, is a huge Trump fan. So I know they're out there. It's not insane, but the specific examples he uses where he's putting words in people's mouths, I think are absolute bullshit because it's yeah. too convenient to fit what he's trying to say at that point in the chapter. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the other thing is you can you can be proud to be here however you want to be. Like, you, I, I am here with papers because I'm married to an American person, but that doesn't mean that I don't th- that I think that's the only way to be here and, and it'd be okay for you to be here. Like, I know personally how hard it was to get here, even through marriage. Like, I have spent thousands of dollars to be here to try and be here, the place where I want to be with my with my wife. And it's really, really difficult. And I could have fucked up easily. And if they had said, no, you can't stay here, you know, that, and I, I would have had to leave. You know, I right. don't know what you do in that situation. Like, I'm my life is now here. I've just applied for a green card renewal. If they say no, like, what, what am I supposed to do in that situation? Um, are you asking me for legal advice? No, absolutely not. You should not. You should not take legal advice from a podcast, as yeah. we should have said. At the start I, d- of the I don't mean to. I don't mean to suggest that um, most immigrants are that way. It's a strain of thought that exists. I think it's yeah. definitely the minority, but um, I, that is a you know a phenomenon that that's out there for sure. For sure. For sure. So we get into the next portion of this chapter. There's a little break. Uh, after he, th- he does a little paragraph uh, uh, slandering immigrants, claiming they're all carrying 10 pounds of heroin, uh, of course, because we have to have that in there. But then we start talking about the Trump family. And this is similar to what we saw in the last chapter, where people uh, are trying to build their own cred. Say, let me just say real quick, people aren't carrying drugs across the border. <laughs> no. They're putting it in trucks and paying bribes to border patrol and that's how drugs go. absolutely okay. also most people fly here like and overstay a visa that is at least to my knowledge that might not be but most people that are here without papers are here because they overstayed a travel visa right okay sorry yeah. we can move on to how it, uh his his immigration bona fides yes his which bona fides. is like stuff that well, they would you wouldn't be able to do today because the trump regime has rolled back refugee laws Right. Well, is the... And also because the time he's writing about when some of his ancestors came to the United States, there were no immigration laws other than stopping Chinese from coming to the United States. <laughs> Don't be Chinese <laughs> and out after five. That's that like <laughs> immigration law. Well, he he uh, he does a couple interesting things like one. I, I hate to like dunk on Melania or in this case, Ivana, Ivana um, but he he makes the point of saying she came to the U S legally through Canada and mm-hmm. what, what te- I mean, it's kind of a little bit of a legal gray area. Um, but she came on 
on basically like a visa waiver, like a like a tourist type of visa from Canada. Um, and then she met Donald Trump and they ended up getting married here. Right. And, Which you're definitely uh, not supposed to do. I was told not to right. do that specifically. <laughs> right. I had to get a fiance visa because they said, if you come on an Esther and get married, then your intention was fraudulent of entering the country as a tourist. Right. right. And, and so, I mean, it, the, what, what she ended up doing is not, you know, technically illegal, but to, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a gray area depending on how right. they did it. And we don't know exactly, but to, to brag about this as being like the super legal way, it's like, it's not. <laughs> right. Well, and Ivana, right. To just, just to lay it out there, right. She was fleeing the Soviet union. She got a sham marriage to get an Austrian passport and then get into Canada. And so it's all, that's how she did all of that. But Melania doesn't have any of those excuses, particularly given that she pretty explicitly lied on her immigration papers and and right, this is none of this is to say right criticizing immigrants who are doing whatever they can to get into the United States, but to it's just lay hypocrisy. this out here as your bona fides, your cred that members of your family came here the legal way is such hypocrisy, but, and especially especially but, given that that it's absolutely not true. The best part is how he tries to uh, delineate his his uh, ancestors. So he goes back to his great grandfather, mm-hmm. who I guess would be Fred's dad. And, uh, um, and and he says, now, there was no social safety net back then, which, okay, that probably <laughs> yes. sucked for him. But also, <laughs> what about the Homestead Act? We gave away, we gave away over a series of different Homestead Acts over the, ser- over the course of, I don't know, like 60 years or something. We gave away literally 10% of the country, like mm-hmm. just gave it to people, including <laughs> immigrants, um, you know, and so to act like, you know, back then it was all just a bunch of people pulling up their own bootstraps or pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps is just uh, not <laughs> true. You know, you know what it also was, though? It was a bunch of people dying in the street because there was no social safety net. Like, <laughs> yes. the ones this that is the sub- late 1800s we're yeah. talking about here. Yeah, right. it's bizarre. So it wasn't great. It's not like his grandfather would be like, oh, no, or his great grandfather. Uh, social security? No, fuck that. Like that would that sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I, and I, I do have to point out here because this came up last week, right, Benedict? We talked about he brought up in either last chapter or the week before. I don't remember. He brought up uh, his mother and how supposedly she was an alternate to the Czechoslovakian ski team for the oh, seventy-two yeah. Olympics, no way. right? Well, it just so happened that when I was looking up Ivana this week, I found out that Czechoslovakia didn't send a ski team to the 72 Winter Olympics. Great. And that in 1989, when Peter Czechoslovakian name, uh, Secretary General of the Czechoslovakian Olympic Committee, was asked, he said, who is this Ivana woman and why do people keep calling us about her? That's good. No, I, b- Which I did find to be fantastic. It is good. Yeah. So, I mean, just to, to go back to the, the previous point, I mean, he says there was no system to exploit. This was certainly true of the immigration system where there were almost no laws at the time for white people. And then uh, he it says he learned English by listening to his customers. Oh, so he didn't speak English when he came then, because I think that would be a deal breaker for you now. If people were coming and speaking Spanish and not speaking English, yeah. like that, that seems like you wouldn't like. But no, that. they spoke white people languages, Benedict. That's different. Yeah. It's white people languages. He, he learned English very shittily over the course of like whatever ten years. It probably took him to learn 
probably in English that was barely passing. But you mm -hmm. know, whatever. Anyways. That's fine. Uh, and the then end also, of this subsection. Well, we well were hold talking, on. Yeah, I was just going to move on yeah, to, to that next bit. Is I think we have the same point, Bennett. Well, I think we're going to bring up the same point I, because I, the end of this subsection here, where we're talking about the Trump family, he brings up, Donnie Jr. brings up his girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle. Oh, no, I had says, something before then. Can I, can okay. I just jump in before that? It says he, he left in the early 1890s. He set out with... with uh, small bills totaling $600. That is the equivalent of $17,000 now, just for anyone that's keeping score. So like saying he left with $600, it's not really the same effect that he's going for. Yes. But uh, this point I did want to bring up here because I this is delicious. I love it. He brings up his girlfriend, Kimberly Guilfoyle, to, again, build this immigrant cred, who he points out comes from an Irish-born father and a Puerto Rican mother. <laughs> Because Republicans, apparently even when they're dating them, don't know that Puerto Rico is part of the United States. Yeah, right? that's he not great. In a, he throws in a little subtle like uh, racism too. Saying, yeah, it's, it's a little parenthetical. Yeah. You don't want to make her mad. Oh, by the way, uh, this is my parenthetical. What's up with the parentheticals? Like, <laughs> oh, there are a lot. So half many. The yes. book, half the book is a parenthetical. Um, Basically, yeah. Uh, so yes, we start on to the next subsection, which is just complaining about immigrants and how they aren't pulling their own weight, to use his term. Does, and there's, uh, uh, does, our, does our resident immigration lawyer have anything to say about whether immigrants tend to pay taxes? Well, yeah, there's a, se there's a <laughs> sentence here, uh, the, the um, margin annotation is LOL, <laughs> and everything, <laughs> everything in it is circled or underlined, it's just one big fat you know, wet fart of a <laughs> sentence. Um, he says, he's trying to contrast, um, you know, the good financially contributing, socially responsible immigrants that are, by the way, legal um, and the illegals. And uh, he says that, um, so instead of hardworking, grateful, instead of a hardworking, grateful pool of workers, <laughs> There are people who evade the law to enter the country, pay minimal or no taxes, and then rely on government handouts to survive. <laughs> this God. invasion, oh, and that's God. what it is, using any metric, doesn't hurt. Anyway, so he goes on. Yeah, I mean, uh, first of all, yeah, a lot of people sneak in. That's true. And then they do like really hard work, and they do pay taxes. They pay all kinds of taxes. They pay into things like Social Security, which they can't draw on. Um, same with like uh, Medicaid or Medicare and other taxes, um, you know, sales tax, property tax, income tax. And they also don't get public benefits. Like they just don't. Um, if yeah. they have kids that are U.S. citizens and they grow up, you know, it's possible that um, those kids might qualify for certain things, um, you know, by virtue of being U.S. citizens. But the immigrants themselves uh, don't. So, I mean, all of this is just not real. But yeah. I think the public benefits lie, which is probably the most pernicious one throughout this chapter, is the one that you hear most often from the Charlie Kirks of the world who are out there claiming that uh, a bunch of illegal immigrants are all taking Medicare and Medicaid and Social Security and all these things because they, they don't care about the truth of what they're saying. It just sounds really good to Republican ears to say those things. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm not allowed most public benefits, even as someone as, as a green card holder. Right. There's, my, there's my wife like had to sign an affidavit saying she would financially right. support me and I wouldn't be a burden on the state. Right. 
despite the fact that i do pay my tax like i pay social security and medicaid tax right so So, um that's that's true and that has been he mentions that that has been the law for a really long time and and they're making it worse but um uh you know it's just a weird way to to val to uh, calculate the value of people like i made the i so you guys read these books but i call the local talk radio that's my (laughs) my (laughs) you're okay you're in washington near seattle so you have a relatively good talk radio no 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 no. i am in central washington this is oh that's right yeah this is the state just passed a gun law let's advertise openly a gun show that will violate that law because fuck that law (laughs) that's uh (laughs) the country i live in um, but, uh, I totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh, that's my disease, uh, calling the uh, local talk radio. And I made this point to them once, like you don't take out a calculator and just add up what a person has cost. Like the host of the show, I don't go, well, you're on Medicare and, and your prescriptions are really expensive and you went to a public school and that's this much money and uh, you use the roads this much and and here's the total amount it costs for you to have lived. Like that's not something you ever do um, with any type of person, except for these right-wing uh, hate groups like uh, Center for Immigration Studies, which he cites, and others who literally will go through and and say like, okay, what's the most aggressive way we can put expenses on the cost side of the ledger um, while ignoring you know, any potential benefit to society that, that people might provide. And so it's just a dumb, it's just a dumb thing to do. It's racist. <laughs> it very much yeah. is. Yeah. And so you brought up the CIS report. That's a little bit later in the chapter, but before we get to that, uh, he brings, he spends a good two and a half, three pages uh, shitting on the Kennedys, which I did find mildly amusing uh, his parenthetical about Chappaquiddick yeah. uh, and et cetera, Boy. which are thrown in for absolutely no reason absolutely at all. No the, the funny bit of this, before he gets to the Kennedys, he says, in fact, the immigrants of today never had the chance to replicate the experience of our grandfathers and great-grandfathers, <laughs> mostly because of legislation championed and passed by the Democrats more than 50 years ago. That is civil rights legislation that he's talking about, in case it's unclear to anyone. That that legislation passed in the 60s were LBJ's massive, like, Medicare, Medicaid, civil rights le- legislation. That is what he's shitting on here without saying it. Well, I th- he does start talking about some legislation, and he's I think he's trying to make the point the point of the old Republican line that Democrats are relying on bringing in people, putting them on government support, and then just having them sit there taking money off the government dole and voting for them forever. That old that old Republican chestnut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's dumb. Uh, it's really dumb. <laughs> also, he says soldiers who had returned from World War II bought houses, built businesses, and began voting Republican. There was only one Republican president between... It, there was only Eisenhower in like the 50s and 60s, immediately following, the world, immediately following World War II. It was FDR, Truman, Eisenhower for a bit, then JFK, and then LBJ. Like and then uh, no, and then Nixon. That's it was Nixon next, wasn't it? But but still, like that, they didn't return from World War Two and start voting Republican. Like that is not by any objective measure what happened. Yeah, it's a it's a really just sort of. This is where I just I start. I can't handle it. It's <laughs> painful. It really is painful. 
Um, but yes, know, it's possible. I mean, I, I've never heard anyone say like, you know what? Let's create an army of uh, voters. Like we gotta legalize these people. So oh, can- are are you not in our Democratic uh, Facebook chat group where we talk about <laughs> right. this? Like where I I message Obama. I'm like, hey, we need to bring in more so we can have them vote for us. Yeah, you, I'm I can add you. And also give I'm them vote by mail. Give them vote by mail, and then we'll never elect a Republican again. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah. Was, um, you know, like Reagan did an amnesty, and it's not like they can bank on those voters. Like, it turns out voters are dynamic, and, and immigrants, a lot of them don't even end up naturalizing. Um, so, you know, it's it's dumb on, like, all the levels. But, um, you know, it's also possible that, like, LBJ and and other politicians, not that they were great, um, but it, it's possible that they like cared about farm workers and wanted <laughs> to have papers. And it wasn't just like some smoke filled room where they're going, how can we get these people to vote for us? <laughs> um, but anyhow, it is very much possible that occasionally, uh, people who are imperfect do care about others. It, it's possible. Uh, but then we get to the section you brought up where yes, they do cite, two of the worst reports ever created, one by FAIR, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, which has been heavily criticized even by the Cato Institute. Uh, who, Yeah, Cato <laughs> criticized. And Cato, to their credit, is relatively pro-immigrant. Uh, so, I mean, at least... At least yeah, they they're, but they're, they're, liberta- they're a libertarian think tank, right? right? And libertarians right. tend to be pro-immigrant because it's efficient for business. Right. But the FAIR report claimed that it costs about $134.9 billion to cover the costs incurred by the president, the, the presence of illegal aliens every year. Uh, and Donnie Jr. throws in at the end, out of nowhere, with absolutely no support, that the real number might be $250 billion. Yeah, there are no citations in this chapter. Like, no, no, you, there th- really th- aren't. I mean, there is a section for citations, but it has approximately three in it for this <laughs> chapter, I think. There's, yeah. um, this is a Trump tick, actually, where uh, if he needs the number to be big... Uh, he'll he'll usually give he'll start with the number that maybe he's heard, mm-hmm. and then he'll do the summer saying uh, this. I've heard this. It could be as high as, and then it's just you know, yeah, whatever. Ten after some have said it in four or five yeah. speeches of his, suddenly it's truth, and then it's summer saying even more. Yeah, and then uh, he says but- that my 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 favorite bit of this is where he goes, uh, it. Those who are hurt by this immigration are not the rich and powerful. Candidly, they often benefit from cheap labor. Isn't it weird that he would know that? That seems weird. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how he knows that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weird. I wonder. Um, the only time he uh, he actually gets into the whole thesis of the book, which is libs being triggered, he says, "Democrats won't tell you, and it might trigger many of them." They want <laughs> immigrants to rely on welfare. They want individuals to depend on the government from cradle to grave. So how triggered are you guys right now? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm on the floor. Uh, I'm on the floor right trip. now. Yeah. I, fetal I, position. Fetal position. Yeah. Yes. I'm very just, triggered by that. It's just weird. It is, man. So we move on to the next section. And before we start this next majority of the rest of the chapter, I do, I do have to preface by saying that most of the rest of this is bullshit conflating immigrants with gangs. And it's oh, important yeah. to remember that because he's going to com- repeatedly hit on MS. Well, I think MS-13 is like, and the Sinaloa cartel are the only two he brings up. But he repeatedly hits on that over and over and over again. And it's important to remember that immigrants and gangs are not synonymous, 
right? It's not the same thing remotely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and in, obviously. In, in, in fact, uh, there's something sort of, I mean, obviously it's racist and, and whatnot, but what's especially pernicious about this is, uh, you know, he, he does go on to highlight how terrible things are in Mexico, um, you know, death and murder and things that, that are happening. At the same time, they're, they're keeping asylum seekers in Mexico yeah. and government attorneys are arguing in immigration court constantly that like, it's basically fine there. Um, but, uh, this, um, this whole point about unaccompanied minors. Uh, so, you know, it's true that in around 2014, there was a surge of, uh, you know, unaccompanied minors showing up at the border, being apprehended at the border. And we have laws that allow them in certain cases to either seek asylum or to apply for something called special immigrant juvenile status. And I've met a lot of these kids and in every single one of these cases, you know, whether they're Mexican or from El Salvador or wherever, they are explicitly fleeing the gangs. Uh, they were recruited. Uh, they didn't want to join, even though they knew not joining meant, uh, probably being murdered and it would have been a lot easier to just like join them. Um, but these are kids that refused. They didn't want to. And so they were sent on this dangerous journey to come here. And, uh, you know, we should welcome them first of all, as an, as an aside, but the idea he says, um, that once they're here, these are easy targets for the gangs. And, and because they're these sort of wide eyed, know nothing immigrant children, uh, they don't know anything about the gangs and how they work. And gang members often approach new immigrants in the hallways of Long Island high schools, taking them in and promising a sense of belonging and protection. The new kids have no way of knowing the bloodthirsty history of groups such as MS-13 or the Mexican drug cartels. And like, no, they know better than anyone. <laughs> That's why they, they're here. <laughs> literally why they're here. They probably have loved ones who've been disappeared. Uh, they've been threatened themselves. And so, uh, you know, it, this part really kind of pissed me off because I've met yeah. these kids and I know they're, they're a lived experience yeah. and it couldn't be any different from. Well, and, and yeah, his, I, his source for all of this is according to multiple studies by experts in gang activity. Yeah, and okay. I looked in the back of the chat, in the back of the book, there's no citation for that. I did some Googling and tried to find anything. The best you get as far as experts go are people like Rudy fucking Giuliani. Yeah. That's the closest you get to an expert putting out this sort of information. Yeah, so uh, just a few points that I want to make before we move on to, to the next bit of this. So uh, there's a bit before the bit that was just referenced there um, that says, members of these cartels come to the United States by both illegal and legal methods, including through our seriously flawed amnesty and sanctuary city policies. That's not what a sanctuary city <laughs> is. Yeah, it's I not like you too, can just show up there. at the door and be like, hey, I want to be in a sanctuary. Like... A sanctuary city just means that local law enforcement does not cooperate with ICE and CBP. Like if you are taken into local law enforcement, they won't call ICE on you. That's all a, a sanctuary city means in the, in the sense that he clearly doesn't understand it. Um, MS-13, which he repeatedly references as an, a, an imported Salvadorian gang, was founded in Californian jails to yeah. defend... Export. <laughs> yeah, we we exported MS-13, actually, is what we did. And then also, how do we feel about US policy towards El Salvador that may have contributed to instability and gang activity in the country? Because I don't think we can walk away without acknowledging that. 
Well, are you blaming America? I am Whoa. absolutely not blaming America. <laughs> Mr. Green Card interviewer <laughs> in the next few months. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. And like, remember, what he's predicating most of this on is just a short stub he started with at the beginning of the section. He starts off by talking about the opioid crisis in the United States. And same thing as what you're talking about with El Salvador and MS-13. It's acknowledging there is an opioid crisis and that heroin is part of the problem, but completely ignoring that a massive part of the heroin problem in the United States is United States-based drug companies. Yeah, also it's not... started our, it, our it, fucking it, crisis. It's not just heroin. Like, there are now more deaths from fentanyl and other uh, synthetic right. um, opioids than there are from heroin in the U.S. Yeah. at this point. Well, it's also like I mentioned earlier... Um, you know, the idea that we used to play the Steve King clip all the time about the dreamers having calves the size of cantaloupes yeah. because they were carrying 75 pound bags of marijuana across the desert. Like it's just a weird fantasy version of, of what's actually happening. And if you were really concerned about this problem, you'd crack down on, uh, frankly, uh, the border patrol and corruption within that, that agency. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, anyways, and also, as far as carrying marijuana across the Mexican border goes, um, the real the real guys with calves the size of cantaloupes are undergrads at Chico State University who are carrying that Northern California Kush uh, up <laughs> across up the north. northeastern yeah. United, the northwestern United States. Yeah, that's you right. know the area, you know Chico, you know what I'm talking about. Hell yeah. Um, well, guys, listen, um, I'm curious about your take on page 100 when he says, give me a asterisk, asterisk, K-I-N-G break. Why is he censoring a swear? I don't know. Because he's sworn at other points that he has used shit, I know. He has has written out the entire word shit. But apparently, fuck is a bridge too far. That is, yeah. Is he worried that somebody's going to get triggered? also just don't don't use the fucking word like give me a break would have been a fine break there like if you want to try and write like david foster wallace with your like one sentence paragraphs (laughs) you don't need the the censored swear in that (laughs) fun fact uh no one actually in the last 20 years has finished the book infinite jest because we stopped caring about tennis in 1995 just in case you were wondering about it all right interesting (laughs) Yeah, um, but we, we continue on and we get his little story of how the, the Democrat media spin cycle works as far as illegal immigrant crime goes, where he says an illegal immigrant commits a crime, sneaks a few hundred kilos of heroin into the United States. What? Or, or votes illegally, because as we know, those two things are just about the same. Yeah, they happen approximately as often, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, followed by prominent Democrats stay silent, preferring to focus on important issues such as how cow farting is harming the ozone layer. Next, a conservative There are points. so many <laughs> fucking talking points in this. It's, it's like, literally, like, he was watching Fox News and just wrote down, oh, yes, cows <laughs> farting. And then, like, oh, yeah, better make that a point in one of the chapters. Like, come on. Yeah. I know. That's actually kind of a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of these things is actually a real problem. I'll leave it to the listener to figure out. Um, next, a conservative points out that we might have a problem with illegal immigration because we know that's that's how conservatives act. They are composed and, and neatly lay out the issue of illegal immigration with absolutely no hyperbole whatsoever. 
Well, uh, guys, um, I, I just hate to point this out, but um, maybe <laughs> this is a little bit of an issue, and uh, <laughs> maybe we could uh, legislate something that would be fair and balanced, or <laughs> and that's when the Democrats come out. Yeah, right. and true. yes, and then the liberal machine fires up, and dozens of members of Congress start yelling about how racist and evil the Republican Party is. Don't you wish the the libs were even like one tenth of what they are in the imagination of yes, oh yeah, of Republicans? Like, like, so yes. nice, wouldn't it? Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer in their bunker plotting out this, you know, <laughs> diabolical scheme, and it's like, no, they fucking suck. Um, <laughs> they mostly suck. Like, <laughs> like they go home to their house over in you know Washington Hills and and they they you know do their shit. It's like it, it, this. They this have dinner parties with the same and, Republicans that they're supposedly really mad at. Like, here here's the thing. I, I just want to point this out because Benedict, we talked about this in the past, mostly on the old show. All right, and it, it is something that you took from somewhere. I don't remember where, but it's this this thing that Republicans do where they see the worst of themselves in the other side. I think, yeah. right? So they imagine that what's going on with them and in their minds and the way they would act, they see in the other side when the other side is just, you know, fucking boring and and just like not not, not doing yeah, all this it's crazy. It's boring shit. and bureaucratic. It's boring and bureaucratic right. versus actual like radicalized right wing. Like one of these yeah. things is not like the other. Certainly. And then we get the 2013 uh, immigration bill. Oh, is the yeah. next section that we get in this chapter, this. which uh, he, he this is something that, again, Republicans love to hit on a lot, is that the 2013 immigration bill, which included uh, some pathway to citizenship options and some amnesty in there, um, included uh, at the end, it was added at the end as a measure to get Republicans to vote for it, uh, funding for about 700 miles of border wall. And Nancy Pelosi and crying Chuck Schumer, of course, we have to have that in here. And about every other Democrat senator voted for a bill that included 700 miles of border wall, he, he brings up. Not noting that, of course, it's because of the other stuff in the bill yeah, they were and, voting for it. Yeah, exactly. And he and, quotes and Obama the, talking about a border wall, which is like Obama is doing that to get Republican votes. That's I don't like right. it particularly, but like that is the thing. When you're talking about building a wall, like it, it was a compromise to get votes for the other better policies, which included, right. as you said, a path to citizenship, amnesty, making it easier to come here. I don't think we talk enough about how fucking difficult it is to come here outside of getting married. Married. Like, well, it I've is known so you for hard. about four and a half years now, so I've heard plenty about how hard it yeah, is. Yeah, but to like, come mine here. is the easiest way, and it's still not easy. Like, yeah. there are so many difficult ways to get here. And, like, if you're if you're here on a non-immigrant visa, that doesn't count towards your time here. So you can't apply for citizenship or anything. Or you can't, it doesn't let you apply through to, for a green card through naturalization, or not naturalization, but through uh, residency, because you're technically a non-immigrant. And most of the work visas here are non-immigrant visas. So you can be here working for years at a time. I have friends that have been here for, for five years on non-immigrant visas that might lose those visas this time because the, the policies are getting stricter. And they might just have to leave and they can't get a green card. There's no path for them to remain here, even not as citizens, but as permanent residents, unless they get married, which is nuts. It's utterly nuts. There's a world where, you know, their their sort of portrayal of the world exists where um, like we could imagine it is what I mean, 
where like a bunch of people are sneaking over and then they're just kind of like hanging out and, <laughs> and like doing crimes and, you know, doing some raping and doing some, you know, some killing and not really accomplishing a lot. And, and also like defrauding social security just constantly. <laughs> they're imagining Jay and silent Bob outside of quick stop, but Hispanic. Yeah. And like in this world, it would, I mean, honestly, like, I, I would want to explore the deeper reasons for like why this is happening and what's going on. But like, those would be legitimate concerns if in your community, there were just like thousands of people doing nothing and, and, you know, wreaking havoc on, on your community. But the reality is like so much different. The undocumented population and, and non-immigrant uh, workers who we bring here sometimes in like slave, like uh, conditions to just, you know, pick fruit and then leave, um, they do, as we're seeing, you know, the pandemic is really highlighting this. They're doing uh, critical, very dangerous work, uh, especially now uh, for which they won't receive any type of special compensation or treatment. They'll be left out of every single, you know, stimulus package or, or special bill where we're just throwing money away. Um, and yet they're doing, doing that work. So, um, Anyways, that's a little bit off topic, I guess. But yeah, it gets me fired up. This this 2013 bill was, yeah, it was a compromise. I mean, it was not great. I went to D.C. with uh, some other lawyers uh, with ALA, the American Immigration Lawyers Association. We sort of lobbied for it. Um, you know, it was a, it represented, you know, true compromise. There was a an activist with us who, uh, like one of these business immigration lawyers, from Seattle, like threw him up against a wall at one point was like, <laughs> you need to keep your mouth shut when we're meeting with these representatives. Cause he had a very, um, you know, it's gotta have this and it's, it's gotta be pathway to legalization for all of, for everyone. And this guy was like, you know, we're going to get something done and it's not going to be easy. And like, I'm sorry, you're not going to get everything that you want. Um, but yeah, sadly it, it didn't pass. I mean, it would, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't have been perfect, right? And and I'm sure there were Democrats who liked the parts of the bill that we would consider shitty, the border wall and all that nonsense, right? And, but you're right that it was a compromise bill trying to get something done and to throw it out there as though there, a majority of Democrats in 2013 supported a border wall is, is complete nonsense. But we come to expect that at this point from Donald Trump Jr. Well, I mean, I, I kind of... Uh... Yes and no. I see what you guys are saying. Um, you know, if it were the truth that for a lot of these Democrats, the wall was just a, was a compromise, they could have certainly communicated that. Yeah. But for a lot of them, I mean, at, at times when they didn't need to, uh, they came out in favor of it. And so it, it's hard to for, you know, in, in every case to see this as like, oh, this was just the Democrats throwing them a bone. That might have been the case for certain representatives or senators. But uh, you know, this goes back to Bill Clinton, uh, to uh, the 1996 immigration reform, which is what has really fucked over the majority of my clients. Uh, you know, and so we have to also be real about this strain of uh, uh, neoliberal mm. policies that exist within the the Democratic Party. And, and so when he says, you know, Democrats would call for a wall, uh and nobody cared and then Trump did it and they cared. There's a, there's some truth to that, frankly. 
I mean, yeah. Trump is more Trump is more racist, and so his wall became a symbol and became bigger than just sort of like a wonky. Well, we're going to pass a funding bill for you know border security or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah so you, you're right. The the other thing that it, it it seems to me the 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 whole of the right doesn't understand is the difference between Democrats and the left, like the actual left. Because, you know, as a as a European originally, the Democrats <laughs> are not the left. Like they're maybe center left at oh, best. Benedict, you you're not from Austin, Texas? I am not from Austin, Texas. Oh, but so I mean he says here, like, you know, deportation was high under Obama. There were pe- there were people in tent cities under Obama. And then he says, Funny how no one on the left mentions that, isn't it? Now I happen to move in fairly lefty circles. Lots of people do fucking mention that. Like, yeah. that is a very serious criticism of the Obama administration. Yeah. Like, Obama is not beloved by the left. I don't really understand where he gets this idea. Like, he's one of the more popular presidents of the last few years, but the left still don't really like him that much. Right, but it's that, it goes back to that same thing of this uh, bullshit arguing technique of, if your guy wasn't perfect, then you don't get to criticize what I'm doing at all. Yeah. When obviously what Donald Trump, Trump is doing is worse in right. many ways, right. and deserves every bit of criticism that is heaped on it. Right. right. It's only hypocritical if if he seamlessly continued the policy the policies of the Obama administration, and then suddenly people were mad about it who weren't before. But he, I mean, that's clearly not what he did. Yeah, but right. also like he doesn't. Donald Trump Jr. doesn't think Obama was a good president for doing those things. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's not he's he's also being hypocritical in the same way. He's saying my dad's policy is amazing, but Obama was shitty and loved illegal immigrants. Like it, it there's just no logical sense to his argument. Even even the, the many problems with the content of the argument, it doesn't even make logical sense. So continuing on, right? We have to continue on. We're getting a little a little dragged down thank, here. We do yeah, get we'll the say one thank thing. you. Hold on, hold on. Say thank you and <laughs> goodbye. <Thank> like <laughs> <laughs> but that, I know we all wanted to talk about this, which was Donald Trump double quoting himself, which was pretty fantastic, yeah. where he brings up uh, Donald Trump's bullshit stunt claiming he was going to send um, everyone, all the illegal de- detainees to sanctuary cities and people complaining about it. And he quotes his tweet, which is amazing, simply amazing. I guess the leftists are only pro-illegals when they can lay the huge burden on someone else. That's a tweet that's set off from the text. And then below that says the same exact thing again, which I think is all the proof we need that there is no editor for this book. That is right. Well, the best is that this is in response to, quote, one of the most prominent Democrat hypocrites is Cher. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, (laughs) with that. Yes. So we get uh, a little bit more in the end of this chapter of him bringing up ISIS and that ISIS is, of course, going to exploit our lax borders to come into the United States and do ISIS stuff, yeah. uh, which if, I, I, he doesn't have any examples of because, of course, that hasn't happened. But we get to the sounds end of this scary. chapter. Sounds scary, though. It, is, it does sound nice and scary. We get to the end of this chapter, and as I always do, I will read the final paragraph in its entirety, which reads... The good news is that the American people are awake to what's happening with immigration. Democrat rhetoric and fake news might be able to fool some people for a while, but it can't do so forever. Just as in the real estate business in Manhattan, the market always figures it out. 
The American people know there's a problem at the border. They know that everyone who's coming over isn't a good actor. They know it's not the American dream that many of today's immigrants seek, but the easy American dollar. And that, as my Ethiopian <laughs> friend, his friend from the coffee shop, remember, makes it said, makes it harder for those who come here legally. But the American people see through all the lies of the left. The market always knows. And that is what? the end of chapter six of Triggered. What does that even mean? And it was... <laughs> yeah, it seems like that's the wrong conclusion sentence. That's like taken from a different paragraph or something. I don't know. Yeah, it uh, makes no sense. It makes no sense. Guys. Yeah, uh, well, thanks, thanks for joining us. It has us. been fantastic. Uh, gentlemen, as we always know, uh, we didn't learn anything in this chapter, but I do have a short question for both of you, which is if you could rewrite Donald Trump's uh, they're bringing drugs, they're bringing guns, and some of them, I'm sure, are good people speech. To apply to the Trump family, what would it say? Mine would be, uh, they're bringing frauds, they're bringing con men, and maybe one future lawyer. <laughs> Which may all okay. be the same thing, who knows? <laughs> and with that, we will end this week's episode. Uh, Stephen, before we go, would you like to tell everyone where they can find more of you? Oh, yeah. So um, I do a podcast called Redirect Immigration Law and Perspectives. It's on all the places, Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and you can uh, subscribe and and uh, listen. It's it's a thing. <laughs> it comes highly recommended. I enjoy it. I find Thank it to you. be very informative if you're a law nerd like myself and like uh, complaining about how all the courts are shut down right now is, is what yeah. you spent a, a good amount of time yeah. talking about. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode. For patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. AJ Brantley, Taru Tacannon. Taru Tacannon. I have to get that right, or she'll be mad at me. Andrew J., Becky Scott Fairley, Conduit of Too Many Fursonas, Skeptical Seventh, Emily Burke, and Brusque Platypus. If you want more of us, you can also go over to Twitter, find us at NYGBCPod, and on Facebook at NYGBCPod. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, face front, true believers. Excelsior. Goodbye. Bye. Book Club Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.